0: Two Mentioned in Dispatches, the podcast from the Western Front Association, I'm Dr Tom Thorpe. The WFA is the UK's largest Great War History Society. We are dedicated to furthering understanding of the First World War and have over 60 branches worldwide. For more information, visit our website at westernfrontassociation.com. It is the 11th of June 2018 and this is episode number 67. On today's programme I talk to Anne Buckley, Lecturer in Translation Studies and German at Leeds University, about her project to translate the experiences of a group of German officers imprisoned in Skipton during World War I. I talk to Anne over Skype from her home in God's Own County. Hi Anne, welcome to the Dispatches podcast. Can you tell us about yourself and how you became interested in the Great War?
1: Hi Tom, thanks very much for having me on your podcast. Um, so I'm a lecturer in German and translation studies at the University of Leeds, um, but I actually live in Skipton um, in North Yorkshire. And until three years ago, I had absolutely no idea that we had um, a World War One prisoner of war camp in the town And it was just round the corner from where I actually live. So a colleague of mine, Professor Alison Fell, uh, she heads the Legacies of War project um, at the University of Leeds. She was doing some work in, in Craven and she was in Skipton Library And um, one of the staff showed her a shoebox that was in um, the storeroom, which contained a book written in German. And it was a book written by a group of the German officers who were imprisoned in Skipton um, in World War One. And the library staff asked Alison whether she knew any any colleagues who'd be interested in in having a look at it um, and seeing what it was all about so Alison passed it to um, my colleague Caroline Summers and myself um, in the German department, we had a look at it and started um, working on trying to produce a translation of it so that was how, how I got started with all of this um, just less than three years ago. Um, it's an absolutely fascinating read, it provides the reader with a, a German perspective on World War One and the experience of imprisonment um, and it's also very funny in parts, that they really did have an amazing sense of humour.
0: And so so what's I, I'm going to now massacre you. German I have in front of me, so please forgive me. So what is a Kriegsgefangen project in Skipton all about?
1: So um, a Kriegsgefangener is a prisoner of war, so um, Kriegsgefangen in Skipton can be loosely translated as um, imprisoned in Skipton. So as I say, the, the project started with Caroline Summers and myself aiming to produce a translation of of this fascinating book. And as well as wanting to bring this story to a a wider audience and to historians, we really wanted to write the story of the camp back into the history of Skipton. It's rarely mentioned in the histories of the town, and very, very few local people knew about it. Lots of people know about the World War II camp, which was on the other side of town. But as I say, this camp wasn't really well known. And I live about 200 yards around the corner and until I saw the book, I, I didn't know anything about it at all. So we started working with the Heritage Lottery funded Craven and the First World War Project that's led by Rob Freeman at Craven Museum, which is in Skipton Town Hall. And we've done a lot of public engagement work, had information evenings and The local knowledge of the existence of the camp has has now increased dramatically. People are really interested in it. We've also had a lot of support from the local newspaper, the Craven Herald. They've run quite a lot of stories about it. We've done some archaeology on the site of the camp. That's been led by the head of history at Upper Wharfdale School in Threshfield, uh, John Mitten. And it's it's an amazing project. He's involved not just pupils from his own school, but pupils from the three secondary schools in Skipton, who've all worked together on the dig alongside professional archaeologists. And it hasn't just improved their archaeology skills and um, They've been involved in the in the public open days, showing people around. So, so they've, they've gained confidence and, and had a wealth of experience as, as well as great fun.
0: So if we go back to the book, was this actually a printed book that was published obviously in German after the war in the 1920s um, in Germany?
1: Yes. So uh, the book contains the work of about 50 men. It contains sketches poems, diary entries, accounts of life in the camp, the German perspective on the war, and they smuggled out a lot of what they've written. Um, They typed it up on bits of cloth and sewed it onto the inside of their their clothing. So when they were repatriated, it wasn't going to get confiscated. And then two of the men, uh, Willy Kostmann and Fritz Saxer, they got together compiled everything into the book and they had it published in Munich in 1920 we're not sure at the moment how many books were in the original print run but I'm certainly aware of about eight copies that colleagues and the library and various other people have managed to get hold of online
0: when was the camp established and exactly where is it in Skipton
1: okay so the camp was built in 1915 as a training camp for the Bradford Pals, various of the regiments went on to train there, including the Black Watch. And then, when the British needed somewhere to house the increasing numbers of German POWs, it was an obvious choice: the the empty camp it, in the west of Skipton, northwest of Skipton. It's just behind Skipton Girls High School, and it extends upwards towards Grussington Road and the the northern bypass. It actually covers quite a large area.
0: So, what were, what were conditions? I know we we've all seen Certainly I did in my youth, wonderful black and white and, and somewhat, um, if you say, patriotic British films about British POWs. But what were conditions like for German POWs in the camp?
1: OK, so they were accommodated in wooden hut, which they felt were slightly below their dignity. And I think they were pretty damp and drafty in winter from what they describe in the book. Each hut had a stove in the centre, but there wasn't always enough fuel to have the stoves on for as long as the Germans would have liked. So it it definitely got quite damp and chilly in there and they struggled with drying their their clothing. They also struggled with um, drainage of the paths. So if they went out of the huts, um, they'd get wet, muddy feet uh, walking around the paths of of the camp. They were surrounded by barbed wire and they saw that really as as a symbol of of the state that they were in, their status as prisoners, and and they found that quite uh, depressing, really. Did the prisoners
0: actually do any work while they were there?
1: Okay, so it was an officer's camp. So under international agreements, officers weren't required to work in the camp. But there were some non-officers who were called orderlies who were there basically as servants to the officers. So they do things like make their meals, um, clean their dormitories, sweep the floor, do the washing. There were barbers and tailors, joiners. Um, so these were other German prisoners, non-officers, act, acting as orderlies. Some of them also went out of the camp to work in forestry and in the local quarries.
0: And how many prisoners were actually in the camp over, the, over its its existence?
1: Just over 900 men spent time there. But according to the Germans in the book Kriegsgefangen in Skipton, the, the peak occupancy was 550 officers with 120 orderlies.
0: And how many British staff were there uh, maintaining security over 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 the inmates
1: That's something we're not quite sure of at the moment that's that's an area where we need to do some further research. Um, we know the names of some of the British staff we know we know the names of the um, camp commandants uh, various camp commandants who who were there during the period uh, of time that the the camp was in existence. Yes, it was only in existence for actually a short time. So the first arrivals were January 1918, and then they all departed in October 1919. So it wasn't actually that long, um, less than two years. We know from what the Germans wrote in their book that they were guarded at one point by the Yorkshire Light Infantry, a Nottinghamshire and Derbyshire Regiment, a Stafford Regiment, and a Bedford regiment, that those are the ones that are mentioned in Kriegsgefangen. But I'm sure that future research will will uncover much more detail than that. So
0: who were the prisoners and what part of um, what service and what part of Germany do they come from?
1: In answer to both parts of that question, a massive variety. So they were from all over Germany, including Alsace-Lorraine and parts of what is now Poland and again, huge variety of military backgrounds. So we had soldiers captured on the Western Front, at the battles of Combray, Passchendaele, Arras, Vimy Ridge. We had a high proportion of airmen, actually. We had 24 airmen um, in Skipton and also quite a high number of U-boat captains. And Fritz Saxer, who's one of the two named authors of the book, he was a naval captain. His is a fascinating story. He'd been involved in the siege of Tsingtao in China um, and he was put into a POW camp in Fukuoka in Japan, from where he escaped. And he tried to get back to Germany by going west through China, through the Gobi Desert. He spent three months trying to get home that way. And then he hit a dead end and wasn't able to get any further. So he had to turn around, retrace his step all the way back through China. And he ended up getting a boat across to Seattle in the States. He traveled across America by train, stopping off to visit relatives in Chicago. (laughs) And then he got on a a Norwegian boat in New York trying to get back to Germany but this vessel was intercepted by the British in near the Orkney Islands and there he was captured. He'd used various false names on on this journey and, and um, had various false passports because he'd been in touch with the German consulates in, in various places en route and at, at this point um, he was pretending he was a civilian So he was sent to Nocello in the Isle of Man to the civilian internment camp. And then when it appeared that officers were going to be repatriated first, he gave himself up and admitted that he was a a naval officer. But unluckily for him, he ended up in Skipton rather than being sent home to Germany we've actually got that story in his own words. He wrote 13 installments for his local newspaper, the Straß under Tageblatt in 1936. And that's an amazing story in his own words. And again, he's, he's got an incredible sense of humour. There was a point where he was being followed by a Japanese guard um, as he was on a train. And as the train passed into Chinese territory Japanese guard got off having not had the authority to arrest him even though he was suspicious he he had no definite proof that uh, Saxa was a German and Saxa said in, in in his account that he said he couldn't couldn't help himself but to wave goodbye to his new friend <laughs>
0: And were there any other amazing Germans in Skipson?
1: I don't know if you remember the story um, in October 1916 when there was a U-boat found off the coast of Scotland when they were laying a power cable. Well, the captain of that U-boat was Gunther Krech and it said that his U-boat was on the surface when it should have been below the surface because they'd been spooked by a giant sea monster. Whether that story came from Krek himself or whether it was invented by journalists of the, t- of the time, we'll never know. But that's the story. And Craig then ended up in Skipton. Unfortunately, Krek was um, one of the 47 Skipton prisoners who died in the Spanish flu epidemic wow. early 1919. Um, so he didn't make it home. So how
0: did the local community react to this prisoner of war camp?
1: There wasn't actually much contact between the German prisoners and the local community. As we've heard from the regiments that the guards were from, they generally weren't local men. Um, Obviously, there would have been some, but as I say, that's an area where we need to do some more research. Because they were officers, the Germans were allowed out for walks in the local countryside if they signed a parole form. And on one of the early walks, they went into the town centre and um, a drunken soldier threw an iron bar at the group of them. So after that, the walks tended to go north into the countryside rather than into town. Other contact, there was a lady serving in the shop in the camp so that was pretty much the only female they would have seen during their time here we've spoken to a local lady whose grandmother apparently used to go and sing to the soldiers through the through the barbed wire so that's a local contact and i suppose the other reactions that we've read about are through the old articles in the Craven Herald i read one article where there was a complaint about the amount of meat that the Germans were receiving in the camp because it was felt that this was considerably more than the local population were able to obtain so i, I don't think they they felt too kindly towards uh, the Germans in the town
0: so how did the Germans find their time in skipton
1: okay so as we've mentioned before they were predominantly officers and they weren't required to work so they had to do something to fill their time they organized a whole host of activities so they had choir, an orchestra, a theatre group. They had lots of sporting events going on. And they also had a a really elaborate system of education whereby all the men would be sharing their area of expertise with the others. Um, And at one point, they had 180 different timetabled lectures, seminars, classes in a week. They had over 1,200 books in their library and they had a, a a library officer who would organise the borrowing of the books and the inventory. And so, that yeah, they did have a lot going on. It, I don't think it was just to fill the time. There was a huge stigma attached to being a POW because the Germans had written it into a code of conduct that surrendering and being captured by the enemy was equivalent to being a traitor or a deserter. So they were quite concerned about how they would be received when they went back to Germany. So I think as well as trying to occupy their time, they were trying to justify the time that they were spending in the camp and to demonstrate their loyalty to Germany and to show that they were preparing for life either back on the battlefield, should they make it back, or for um, helping to rebuild Germany after the war.
0: And did any POWs actually escape or try to escape from uh, Skipton?
1: Tried to escape. There, there were no successful escape attempt. The furthest any of them got was the Black Bull in Chapburn, which is a pub. <laughs> so near near to Clitheroe, which is uh, heading further west. So, yeah, they, they managed to get out. They passed themselves off as American airmen. And then um, a policeman came into the pub and was suspicious. And then they were captured again and brought back Uh, another escape attempt which was under the barbed wire around the sports field that lasted 10 minutes before they were recaptured and then at one point they were trying to tunnel out but they were discovered before the tunnel was finished so they didn't they didn't actually get very far
0: and what happened to the camp after the war
1: the huts and all the equipment was sold off. There, we've seen adverts in the local newspaper and also in the Times, and apparently the, the, the stuff fetched quite a high price. And the huts went locally to be used for various things. A lot of them actually became village halls. So MC, uh Tossside, Craco all had a village hall that had been a hut from the camp. Three of them went to the local boys' grammar school as temporary classrooms, um, and going back to the, the village hall, if you remember the film Calendar Girls, which was Rilston and Craco WI, the hut that was their village hall at Craco actually survived until nineteen ninety six.
0: So one question that I was I was wondering about is why did they write this account and what was the motivation for the individuals who contribute such an amazing account and then get it published in, in the nineteen twenties in in Germany?
1: So if we read the forewords to the book, um, they do explain some of their motivations for writing it. Um, So firstly, as a a memory to them, to themselves and the time that they spent in the camp. Secondly, so that the friends and family of the men who died in the Spanish flu epidemic would know the community in which their loved ones had spent their final days. Also, they offer it to historians of the future who are researching um, the Great War, which is fascinating. I think, going back to what I said before, I think one of their motivations would have been to justify to the people of Germany that they had spent their time in Skipton usefully and with the purpose of serving Germany in the future and that they were still loyal to Germany despite having been captured.
0: And, and one final question, do you, do you know if there was any attempt by the British to um, gather intelligence from the camp in terms of putting uh, stool pigeons or, or fluent German speakers within their ranks as a, as a way they, in similar ways that they did in the Second World War?
1: Not as far as I'm aware, um, but again, that could be something that we, we look into.
0: And where can people find out more about the project?
1: So at the moment, we've got a Twitter account, which is at Skipton POW. And we've got a website which is hosted by the University of Leeds. And that's just kriegsgefangen.leeds.ac.uk. But we're just about to launch um, a professionally produced website, which should be a lot more user friendly. That's part of the Heritage Lottery funded um, Craven and the First World War project. I'll put something out on the Twitter account account when that is finally launched. We're hoping that it will be launched within the next month. Um, that's probably going to be rakeswoodcamp.co.uk, which is the site that was created by John Mitton for the archaeology part of the project. We're going to have an exhibition in Skipton Town Hall at the end of the year, which people are most welcome to come and see. And also we're having another archaeological dig this summer this is going to be quite exciting. We're not just going to dig on, on the small field that we've been digging on for the last two summers, but we're also going to have um, trenches in the gardens of people who live on the site of the camp to see if we can find anything different. Um, we will be having a public open day on Wednesday, the 1st of August. So if anybody is in North Yorkshire, uh, they're more than welcome to to come along Um, we'll put details out via the new website and and everything will be linked um, on the Twitter account at Skipton POW
0: so the moral of the story is sign up to the Twitter account
1: that's the easiest way of getting information at the moment
0: (laughs) and thank you very much for your time thank you (laughs) you have been listening to the mentioned in dispatches podcast from the Western Front Association with me Tom Thorpe thank you for all my guests for appearing on this edition